Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? Man, y'all are looking good. Look to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm glad you're here real quick for me. Now look to your other neighbor and say, hey, I'm really glad you made it today. So we are in week two of our sermon series titled The Gift Exchange. We're talking about the gifts of God and and what he gives us in exchange for the humility of opening up to him and trusting him with our biggest hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. My name is Garrett Metz. I am the youth director here at Thrive Church. I should probably tell you a little bit about myself before I get going here. Uh, this is my home church, as I mentioned in first service, and, and Charlie highlighted uh, while he's praying. Thanks for praying for me, Charlie, again. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the thought. So this is my home church. I grew up in Sunday school here a little bit, uh, in and out of Sunday school. Uh, came back to youth group as a sophomore in high school. Um, got to, 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 to learn who God is and know who God is. And from that point on, I went to, went to family camp. Uh, would have been my year, what would have been my freshman year of college, um, but went to family camp and uh, came back and spoke with some influential leaders in my life. And they were like, you should really think about pastoring. I was like, okay, I'll pray about it. Uh, shortly thereafter, I became the intern here at Thrive Church, started DSOM, which is District School of Ministry. I'm currently pursuing my credentials with the AG, the Assemblies of God Network, uh, and that's been fun and it's been a process. Um, and so soon after the intern, I uh, had the opportunity to become the youth director here. And so it's been a privilege to hang out with your students and to be a part of your students' lives. Parents, thank you for allowing me to do that. Uh, thank you to Pastor Sheldon, again, for, for trusting me with his platform and his congregation and to be able to, to, to preach to you guys today. Um, so week one, we talked about giving God your worry and he'll give you his peace. And in week two, we're talking about giving God your hurt and he'll give you his healing. Now, sometimes, right, how many of you guys have you have one of those days. So like for me, this, this past week has been kind of crazy. I've been preparing for today. Uh, we had the women's event on, I believe it was Friday, so this past Friday. How many of you guys came up to that, showed up to that, women? Right on, oh, a couple. Okay, y'all acting like you didn't have fun. Who had fun at the women's event? Thank you, thank you. Real quick before I, before I get started, I got all the middle schoolers up in the balcony right now, middle schools, can you make some noise please? There it is. There it is. I had to shout them out this service. I, I love it. Uh, so then Saturday, we had DSOM, so we had class, and so we were going over Spirit Empowered Church, and so I had to do a little bit of studying and doing some homework, um, and then I was prepared for today, and today's the big day. So it's, it's been one of those weeks, and I mean, how many of you guys have had one of those days where things are kind of hectic throughout the day, or maybe it's a week and things are hectic throughout the week, and you're just trying to get a grasp of it, and you can't seem to get ahead, right? I think we all have one of those days. Um, and so I want to have a little bit of fun this morning going over some, some people who are just having a pretty rough day, okay? And so I think the best way that we can do that is to go for excuses that were given on insurance claims. Yep, yep, it's going to be one of those days. Um, and so I want you guys to pay attention to the word choice because it's a lot funnier if you catch 
the, the words that they use. And so I've got 10 of them um, that, that should make you laugh, okay? So number one, I was driving my car out of the driveway in the usual manner when it was struck by the other car in the same place it had been struck several times before. Several. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Number two, I had been learning to drive with power steering. How many of you guys drive with power steering? I think we all do, right, at this point? Learning to drive with power steering, I turned to the wheel to what I thought was enough and found myself in a different direction going the opposite way. Okay? Okay, I got you. Number three, one wheel went into the ditch. My foot jumped from the accelerator leapt across the lane to the other side and jammed in the trunk of a tree. Now, I'm not sure if he meant his car did that or his foot did that, um, but it happened either way. Number four, I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble. I really hope he's talking about the car. When my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. Again, I'm hoping he's talking about his car here. Number five, I was knocked out as a result of the collision and was taken to the hospital where I sustained serious injuries. <laughs> I'm not going back to the hospital, guys. I don't know what hospital it was. I really hope it wasn't in, in Wausau, Wisconsin. <laughs> but man, I feel bad for that. Number six, coming home, I drove into the wrong house and struck a tree I haven't got. What is, that's what I'm saying, what? Um, this one's funny. Okay, number seven. The accident was caused, okay, guys, what was it caused by? Ask me what it was caused by. What was it caused by? It was caused by me waving to the man I hit last week. <laughs> Talk about having a rough day, am I right? No, just, yeah, okay, okay. Number eight, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. I don't know about you guys, 40 years is a long, long, long time to be driving straight. Number nine, okay, dog lovers, I'm sorry, I had to put this one in here. Trust me, I love dogs, I have a dog at home, he's awesome. Number nine, I pulled into a lay-by with the smoke coming from under the hood. I realized the car was on fire, so I took my dog and smothered it with a blanket. <laughs> That's not right, it's just not right. Okay, guys, I guess, I guess women too, this one is for you, Okay. You know who I'm going to talk about here. You've got it in your mind. I pulled away from the side of the road, and I glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yep, I'd do that too if my mother-in-law was in the car. I'll tell you right now, Garrett, I don't have an issue with it. I'll do it. Don't tell me to. I'll do it anyways. But seriously, guys. You've, had, you've probably had some really, really tough days, some bad days in your life, and you may have had one this week. Uh, and the, the Apostle Paul has some really, really bad days, okay? This is, it's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to tell you what Paul says here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 27, this is a long one, okay? I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. 
Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on, my, on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger from in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Talk about really going through it. That is, that is a lot to go through. And so Paul kind of gives us some, some advice here on how to handle that kind of stuff. And he writes about it in his second letter to the Corinthians. Um, and that's a passage that I want to break down a little bit here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verses 3 through 7 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. That's here right there, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. That's another key part. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And so there's two things I want to talk about today that happens when you're hurting, right? So, number one, when you give God your problems, he will give you his comfort. If you're following along on the sermon notes, that's one of the fill in the blanks. Uh, if, you, if you don't have any sermon notes in front of you, someone can bring them to you. Otherwise, on our app or on the uh, version Bible app, we're under an events, Thrive Church, and you can pull up the sermon notes through there. And so, the verse in the chapter that I really want to break down is Jesus has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so Paul speaks of God with this sort of title of nickname, um, as God of all comfort. And so we're heading to Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 16. And right here is where Jesus is finishing preaching his Sermon on the Mount, the famous sermon that we all know. Um, and it's a really interesting thing. So in verse 11 it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And so I want to kind of, I want to break this down a little bit verse by verse and, and just kind of give you the context of the situation. And so Jesus has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's coming down, and he, he gets to the village gate, and he walks up in this funeral procession. And what this funeral procession would have been, it would have been um, a very loud ceremony, a very loud event. There would have been professional mourners, there would have been flutes and cymbals, there would be people crying and wailing out um, just to, to demonstrate how, how 
much grief there was in the situation, and there was a large crowd, and so Jesus is walking towards this large event, and, and ultimately, there's so much grief in this, in this moment, and I want to, I want to preface all this with, we don't know a couple of things in this story, right? We don't know how old the widow was, right? She could have been 30, she could have been 40, she could have been even 20. We don't know how old, how old this woman is. We, we know that her husband died, but we don't know how old she was when her husband died. We don't know how old her husband was when he died. And we don't know the age of the son either. He could have been seven, he could have been 20. We have no, no clue on how, how old any of these, these people were. Uh, but we do know is that this boy almost certainly died the day before. And so the reason we believe this is because they wouldn't have had all the, the modern funeral techniques, right? They wouldn't have had the, the formaldehyde, the embalming fluid. Um, and so they would have had to have been buried fast, right? Because in this area, it's hot. It gets muggy. It gets gross. And this is, this is where, where bodies would be decomposed. And so I want you to visualize this. As a single mom, you've just lost your husband, right? Your, your only provider is now your son. And so she, she's already probably having to deal with that hurt on her heart, right, of losing her husband. And now she just loses her only son. Parents, think about it, right? You've just lost your significant other. You know, however long you're still dealing with that hurt. And then you lose your only child, some of y'all parents are probably like, I got two or three, I could spare one. Not the point. Um, but think about it. She's just lost her only son. Think about the amount of grief and pain that this woman is going through. And in verse 13, it says, the Lord saw her. And so I think there was one thing that's really interesting about this is that over 40 times the Gospels, in the Gospels, we were told that Jesus saw someone, right? We're, we're told that he, he saw someone, and I think it's funny because wherever he looked, he saw people, right? And I think, I think we do a little bit of that where we see people. Um, but here's the thing. He didn't just look, right? Because I'm, I'm looking at all you right now, um, and that's nothing impressive, um, but the, th- the thing is, is, is Jesus noticed this woman. He didn't just see her and not do anything. He noticed this woman. And just because you look doesn't mean you see. It means you notice. Guys, I think we know this a lot, right? The, the, the age-old old question, do you notice anything different, honey? Trick question. Good luck figuring out. You're in trouble. You're in trouble, guys. Right? Or how about this? You're going to a wedding and your wife notices everything about the wedding. And guys, we only notice two things at a wedding. Is there food or is there not food? Am I right? It's like, yeah, did you notice the the flowers and the arrangements? And I just noticed if there was food or not food. I'm going to be honest. Right? Or you go to your neighbor's house and for the first time, and, and your wife notices everything about the house, the decorations, the wallpaper, and you're like, they had walls? I didn't even notice. <laughs> but, so Jesus notices a single mom who's just lost her husband. She's probably in shock that she just lost her only provider now in the world, and she has nothing else in the world, and the Lord sees her. Okay? And so I, I want to break it down. What did Jesus feel? 
And I think it's the same thing he feels for you when you're hurting, right? Continuing into verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. You guys ever go to fill up a, a cup or something and you leave the water running too long and it starts pouring over the edge of the cup, right? And overflows. Jesus had so much compassion for this lady that he could not hold it in anymore, that it was overflowing from his heart. And so the root Greek word for compassion, and maybe it's just like the youth director in me and, and being funny, uh, I love this word. It's funny. It sounds funny to me. Uh, it's called splagna. It's a funny word. And so it sounds like you had some bad food and it didn't sit well with you, and you know the rest of the story. Um, I love this word, but what it refers to is it refers to being so compassionate that you feel it in your guts, in your bowels. You feel it so deep that, that you, like, it feels like your guts are being twisted or ripped out. This is like the deepest form of compassion that anybody can have. And that's what Jesus has for this lady, this, this splagna level of compassion. And I need you to kind of visualize and maybe get a feel for what it is. I need you guys to close your eyes and visualize that you're driving um, and you see a car wreck, okay? And so you're driving down the road and you're coming up to this car and you're like, God, I really hope they're okay. Lord, would you just be with them? And, and so you continue to get closer and you're like, you see it's pretty bad. And so you get a little more of this feeling in your stomach and you're like, God, you really need to be with them. This is serious. Like, I really hope you're with this family in this situation. And then you get to it, and you recognize the car, and you realize that maybe it's your neighbor's car, or maybe it's your sibling's car, or maybe it's, it's somebody who's near and dear and close to your heart, and you recognize that it's them, and that level of compassion that you feel at that very moment of wishing you could do anything to take that moment away, that is the level that Jesus has compassion for this lady. And it's the same level that God has for compassion for you. And so the Lord sees this lady and he notices this lady, and he cared for this lady, right? And I don't know who needs to hear this today. You could be watching online. You're not even in the building, and maybe this is for you, or maybe you showed up today, and this is your first time at church, and you don't even know why you're here. Uh, but if there's anything you take away from this message, I need you to know this. God sees you. He notices you, and he cares about you, Right, So whatever you're going through, if you're fighting to save your marriage, he sees it, he notices it, and he cares about it. If, if you're fighting to pay the bills and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from and you don't know where and how you're going to pay this bill and you, maybe you're behind on bills, he sees it, he notices it, and he cares about it. If, if you're praying for your teen and you're, God, man, will my teen just make smart choices and maybe, maybe they're making wrong choices and so you're praying for him right now that they would come back to him and, God, would you just be with my teen? Would you just protect my teen? He notices he sees it, he cares about your teen as much as you do when you're feeling anxious, your anxiety, the depression, the mental, the mental health issue that you may be going through. He sees it, he notices it, and he cares about it. And so Jesus sees this grieving mom, and he hurts with her to this level of, of splagna, compassion, and it hurts for him in his gut so deep that he wants to do something. And the first thing he says to this woman is, don't cry don't cry. He said, and then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. So I need to give you a little context about this coffin, okay? So this isn't a coffin of, of what we would assume, you know, with the lid and the sides, and you, you close it. Like, it's not a casket. What this coffin would have been would have been a, a table, 
um, with wheels on it, and they would have been pushing it through the city, and it would have been open top. The body would have been able to see, right? And so he's walking up, and he, he touches the coffin, and it's absolutely shocking uh, this day and age. It's absolutely scandalous, right? Because the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they had 613 laws, all basically about outward appearance and showing, I'm clean, I'm a Christian, obviously I'm religious. Can't you tell? I follow the 613 laws that the Pharisees set. And so it's all about in or outward appearances. It's all for show, and it's not really about following God's word or any of it. It's all about showing that you're a Christian. And so you can't touch a dead body. You can't touch anything that's touched a dead body. That's one of the laws. And so Jesus, claiming to be the, the son of God, walks up and he puts his hand on the coffin. And now that's, that's got to blow some people's minds as, as somebody who's I told, you can't do that. That's wrong. That means you don't love God. That means you're unclean. That means you're spiritually unclean. And so the crowd is in shock here. And then Jesus doubles down on it. He crosses the line. He walks over and he touches the boy. And now that's really got to shock the crowd because not only do you not touch something that's touched a dead body, you don't go around touching dead bodies. Like that's a law. You can't do that. That makes you unclean. And so the crowd gasps. And even more shockingly, the boy gasps. You see, Jesus' touch brought him back to life. See, all it takes is just one touch from Jesus, and it'll change everything. And in this moment, the Lord saw this woman and saw his hurt. He cared for this woman. He had such deep compassion that it hurt inside. And so he touched this boy and brought hope and comfort and compassion back for this mom. And it's, I think it's hard to explain until you've gone through this kind of thing, the level of compassion that this kind of stuff takes. And especially at a, at a, for somebody who's a single mom who doesn't have a husband or a son anymore, who, who is dealing with this, and her only, she has no support anymore. Because right? back in those days, the husbands or the men of the house, they took care of, of the women. And if you didn't have that, you had, to pray, you had to take pretty drastic measures to make sure that you survived. And so this woman has just lost everything. And she would have had to beg for food or, you know, even something worse and so Jesus touches her son, and he's alive again. And Jesus walks over to the mom and not only gives her back her son, gives her back hope and gives her his comfort. And so my second point today is when God gives you his comfort, he can give you, you can give comfort to others. And trust me, guys, I know it can be hard to let people into our lives. It's hard to give people the dirty details, right? I think we can admit it. There might be some skeletons locked away in the closet that nobody knows that you're dealing with, and it's hard to let people into that. And I think there's a couple places that we can start here, but when we can begin to boldly share our stories with other people, it gives them the sense of permission to share their story too. It allows us to share the comfort that God has given us. See, we're not supposed to do this whole life thing alone. We're not supposed to, to handle everything that's been put on our, on our plates by ourselves. You know, that's why when we launch life groups um, in, in the spring and, and following the new year, 
it's going to be so important to get plugged into a life group because those are people that care about you, that have compassion for you at that level, that, it, that it'll hurt them so deep that they could do any, if they could do anything to take it away, they would, right? But we have to, I think, get to a point where we're ready for that, right? And here's a couple places that we can start. We have to wrestle with the idea and acknowledge that Jesus sees you, right, in that situation you're dealing with. The depression, the anxiety, fighting for your marriage, having to handle the paying the bills, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's the, the substance abuse, right, that nobody knows about. You're high functioning, but nobody knows about it. God sees you in that. He notices it, and he cares about you. Number two, you have to let someone else into your story and share the details. I know it's hard to do it, but trust me, it's so, much wor- it's so worth it to, to let somebody in and to share your story and tell them all about what you're doing and what's going on because they care about you and they love you. And number three, we have to begin to really understand the stories of others. It's one thing to share your story. It's another to understand somebody else's story. And it's hard I know it's hard, but that's something that we need to to start doing is to understand our story. And so my last point for this is our lives can change when we allow people to see who we are, to understand our stories, and even more when we can begin to understand the stories of others. And there's one more story I want to go over today. Um, It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48. Um, There's an unnamed woman, and and they don't tell us much about this woman um, except for a few passages within the Bible. Um, And verse 43 says, Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that the power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And now I don't understand exactly this woman's story, but there's a couple of things that I want to break down here. She had spent all she had on physicians, right? And no one could cure her. And so she goes to touch Jesus. And she touches just the fringe of who Jesus is. She doesn't even get to fully touch Jesus, give him a hug, anything. She doesn't get to embrace him. She just touches the fringe of who Jesus is. She She was so desperate for anything to work, that she just had to touch Jesus. And so later on, Peter says, it could have been anybody. There's a crowd around you. It could have been anybody who touched you. Why does it matter? And Jesus says this, someone touched me for I noticed that power had gone out from me. So even when Peter didn't notice this woman, Jesus noticed that something was up and that something had happened and he stopped what he was doing to be aware of this lady and so I don't, I don't understand all of what this woman is going through. Um, and I, I don't know what it's understand to, to, to have to believe for 12 years. Um, but she was desperate and needed a touch of Jesus. And so I want to give you a little context to my background. At the age of three and a half, I was diagnosed with ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. 
And in the early 2000s, that was a death sentence. And so I was in, would have been three and a half. I was, I was, it's hard to share. So um, the doctors had looked at my parents one day and they told them, your son isn't going to make it past kindergarten. Be prepared to bury your son. We don't know how much time you have with him, but you need to make the most of it. And so, some point after that diagnosis, my mom had prayed, God, if you would just heal my son, if you would just touch him and, and change his life and change the course of his life, if you would just heal my son, I'll make him a man after your own heart. Heal my son, God. And so I'm sitting in, a, in one of those spinny stools in the doctor's office sometime later, and they tell you not to sit on those now, um, but I was sitting on it, and I'm spinning, and I stopped, and I looked at my mom, and I went, don't worry, mama. God is healing me, and the doctors are too. See, I had grown up in church. I don't think I had a great concept of God at that point. I was still pretty young, um, but it was powerful. And, and I don't think I said that. I don't think those were my words. Um, but I need you to know that some of you are this woman in Luke chapter 8. There are some of you who, if, if, if I could just touch Jesus, he would heal my marriage, he'd heal my family member who's diagnosed with COVID, that bombshell that you had dropped on you last week, that you don't even know how to process yet. If I could just, if I could just touch Jesus, maybe, just maybe he would heal it. If I could touch Jesus, my financial situation could change. If I could touch Jesus, my anxiety, my depression, my mental health, the substances that I lean to for, for functioning, if I could just touch Jesus, all this would go away. And I need you to tell you, church, that Jesus did not die on the cross for you to handle everything alone, and he didn't die on the cross for you to have to handle this by yourself, right? See, just one touch, church, just one touch from Jesus could change everything in your life. And so we're going to go, I'm going to give you the opportunity here, if everybody will bow their heads, I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, to accept God as you Lord and Savior for the first time, because this could be just the one touch that you need, church. This, is the, this could be the one touch that could change everything in your life, and I'm not saying it's going to get better immediately, but it's a starting point. It's the acknowledgement that you can't do it on your own anymore. You've tried, and you just can't do it. And if you're online, bow your head too. I know it's a little weird. Maybe you're in your living room, but you're just much a part of this as, as everybody here is. I need you to bow your head too. And this is just the opportunity to receive that one touch. And if you want this one touch, you don't have to say a word to me right now, okay? We're going to do something together in a moment. If you could just look up, okay? Acknowledge, make the declaration that you just need that one touch today. Okay, I see you guys. I see you. Everybody bow your heads again. We're going to pray this together as a church because we're a family. And if one person is going through it, then we're all going through it. And we're going to do this as a team and as a family. Lord, if you guys would just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I need one touch from you. I've been doing it on my own. And I need your help. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so 
that I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that, if you prayed that prayer for your first time in your life, you are now a part of God's family. He sees you, he notices you, and he cares about you. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a lovely group of women at the back of the auditorium at the guest center who just want to connect you and encourage you and get you plugged in here at Thrive Church so that, that we can continue to encourage you. And I'm excited what God is doing here in Thrive Church in your guys' lives, in the youth's lives, um, and what God is going to do through you guys. Thank you so much for checking out the Thrive Church podcast. I hope you were inspired by the message today. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.